Good Friday has at its heart the cross of Christ. The Gospel reading for today begins in the first verse of the 18th chapter of the Gospel according to John and goes all the way through to the 42nd verse of the 19th chapter. And I'd encourage you all to pause the recording and read over that. And if you're feeling particularly keen, you could also read over all of the different uh, passion narratives in each of the Gospels. I wanted to offer a couple of reflections on the cross. The first one is the cross as an entrance. It's said that for every ending, there is a new beginning. The cross, for all of its destructive power, is at the same time showing us something totally new, inviting us into a new life that goes into and beyond our darkest places. The cross works its horrors, and yet the curtain in the temple is torn. That physical and symbolic barrier between the holiest of holies in the Jerusalem temple and the people of God is sundered. God and humanity are brought together. And this happens through Christ, who united in himself the divine and human. Christ's arms are held wide. And in being so lifted up on the cross, draws all the world to himself, calling all people to enter into God's promise, God's life. The cross does lead to the tomb and to death. And yet the tomb is made empty by the God of life. The tomb loses its power. Life is still at work even there. And we now know the one who holds the keys of life and death. Barriers, physical binding, imprisonment and burial, all are ways of closing down, restricting, suffocating what might be, quenching life itself. All things which would seek to say that death is the real victor. And Jesus says, it is finished. It is finished. Why should death have the last word? Why should the most beloved of God be bound in fear of the unknown? Why should there be barriers when God calls all, each of us, to know, to love, to be loved, to be welcomed, to pray with boldness, Abba, Amma. Father, Mother. This relationship is the new way, being united with Christ in the Spirit as we cry out to the God Jesus called Father, bringing our light, our darkness, our walls of defensiveness, the very worst of ourselves. In other words, bringing all of us, nothing held back, from what Jesus invites us into through his life, death on the cross, and resurrection. On a hilltop 
by Jerusalem, a place of routine execution, a literal place of skulls, a type of the darkest place of humanity's inclination to self-destruction and alienation. There, in that forsaken place, God makes God's purposes clear. God brings light into even that deepest darkness through Jesus. The curtain of the temple is torn through Christ's total self-giving, even to death on a cross. And we stand at the threshold of God's kingdom, God's eternal life and love. And Jesus bids us come and enter. The other reflection is on forgiveness. Forgiveness goes both ways. It requires something of the one offering forgiveness as it does of the one being forgiven. There is a great release in offering forgiveness and there is humility and contrition required in us, accepting fault and admitting that we need to be forgiven. This is simply part of the human condition. We are not perfect. We make mistakes. We may deliberately do wrong. And afterwards, we want to make amends, to be reconciled, to be brought back into the relationship that has been damaged, to know that we are okay. And we often like a sign to accompany forgiveness. We may give flowers, a bottle of wine, a card, something which embodies and carries in its very physicality the message of forgiveness and reconciliation. Sometimes forgiveness is easy when it's minor faults that don't amount to too much. Sometimes forgiveness seems too much to contemplate. The cost is too high, the pain too raw. Forgiveness between people is one thing, but what about forgiveness between people and God? God from whom we have received life and all that is part of that, each little blessing that we encounter day by day. Of course, as many of the Psalms will show, people can be furious with God for the trials of life. God is big enough to take that. For all of the gifts of God, for the joys of life, there is also pain and sin and tragedy mixed in. We have discovered some of the worst of what humanity can do to each other, to God's creation, and to God in the person of Jesus Christ. And there, even there, the response is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. What can we say in response to such grace? How could any attempt at self-justification measure up to this? 
We might sin and come up with all sorts of excuses about why we did. We may try to explain things away in a thousand different ways. We may try to point out the other good things we do, constantly striving to prove that we're not just our worst parts, that our value as a person is justified. And from the cross, God makes it clear. We don't need to justify our worth or our failings. Jesus' actions tell us more powerfully than words or assurances ever could just how much we are worth. Our worth, our forgiveness, is worth everything to God, even at the cost of God's Son. Sometimes in our lives, forgiveness doesn't happen as we may want between people. A family might rupture for a time, friends fall out and never speak to each other again, and the pain can be terrible. But what the cross says is that God will not reject us when we turn to God and look for a welcome for freedom from our burdens, for fullness of relationship. What Christ did once for all on the cross changes everything. We may fall down in sin, but we carry our cross daily and thereby have the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, ready to make us new, to continue the journey in faith and hope and love. The God who formed us in the divine heart, who knows us and loves us, also knows our faults and sins and still bids us welcome. So we look to the cross and take hold of the forgiveness that is offered.